0: Um, you are listening to the classroom. Um, time for chaos. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I
1: mean it's a good start here. Uh, as as always, I'm Brett. I'm Haley. Uh, we got the Goblet of Fire. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire today. Uh, the second. I, I think I checked. This is the second biggest book in the series. Second longest, at the very least. Yeah. Uh, clocking in at seven hundred ish pages, maybe seven fifty.
0: That sounds about right. Um, and it's a lot. (laughs) Yeah,
1: we're gonna make the summary as concise as we can. However, it was a big one, and I will admit, uh, there were some bits that we were a little foggy on. So we had special memories. Um, Like
0: even though we just got like both of us, of course, before right, like before before we record, both of us finish it. But like the last like ten chapters were just gone from my mind. Um I don't know why. They're just it's just gone. Yeah. Um, but we'll go ahead and cue off. I guess I'll I'll start this time. I think you started last time. So you can hear the dramatic turning of my book in the background. Of course we start off with um with what we see to be Harry's dream, um but we know as a reality, which is um the scenes at the Riddle House with Wormtail and Voldemort. Mm-hmm. And basically we learn this background story. We learn about Nagini the snake, and we watch her kill this random muggle groundskeeper who just happens to be listening in. Um, Harry wakes up from a dead sleep. His scar hurts, which is the first time it's hurt since...
1: Since, I think the first book yeah since he met met Voldemort
0: right and then of course he panics he sends a letter to Sirius but doesn't want to tell Ron and Hermione because they she, he knows what they'll say but he thinks Sirius will be a little more chill about it um and then of course we see the the weasleys and all of their lovingness pop in to the dursleys <laughs> to take harry to the quidditch world cup as promised from the last
1: book yes. which was which was very <laughs> very fun um so I think the they uh the nec- the next morning uh they sort of get get ready to head off uh to the tournament um uh, Hermione's there as well. I'm not sure if we we mentioned that one yet. Uh Hermione also is is accompanying them. Uh and they travel by portkey uh which is the first uh which is the first and second to last mention of portkey for the rest of the series. Um uh where it's sort of just they like a, one, uh, a one-time use sort of teleport uh, like a touchstone for warping mm-hmm. um, and it brings them to the campground where we see like the bigger on the inside tent uh, and everyone's sort of getting ready Hermione's getting hyped up about um, one, of the, one of the stars there, Victor Crumb well, oh. she
0: was well, she's a little disdained about him originally. She's like, Yeah, is very like arm's length with Quidditch. But of course we see later that she gets infatuated. <laughs> with, if you could call it that. Um we do see we, we meet all of the Weasley siblings mm. for the first time. We meet Bill and, and Charlie, who are just the best. Um we see a little bit of the budding friendship between Hermione and Jenny. Um, we also get reintroduced to Cedric Diggory um, on their way to the to the Quidditch World Cup. Um, the sweet little Hufflepuff seeker that beat Gryffindor the year before. Um, he just happens to live close enough that they shared a portkey. Um, but of course we see when we when they get to the Tri Wizard to the Triwizard, Whoo, we're jumping ahead. Um, when they get to when they get to the Quidditch World Cup, of course, we learn that Victor Crum is like this like grand seeker. And after and of course, you know, Ireland wins, but Bulgaria, right? Bulgaria, yeah, Bulgaria.
1: Bulgaria. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: gets the gets the snitch, which is just Crumb grabs the snitch. And mm-hmm. um that night uh, they're they're oh they're all awakened. Um, by this absolute panic that has spread throughout the campground, they're staying at. The muggles that run this campground are being hoisted in the air and, like, low, like, you know, bait, I mean, harassed uh, by what we learn to be the, the, the dark wizards that follow Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody is just in disarray and panic. And um, we see, oh. yeah, go for it.
1: Okay. Um, so uh, they're, they're all sort of running away. Uh, from these Death Eaters, uh, as the followers, uh, followers of Voldemort are called. Uh, somebody shoots the Dark Mark into the sky um, using Harry's wand, which mm-hmm. they trace back to him later and sort of puts a little bit of suspicion on him. Um, and we see that uh, a house elf named Winky is the one who shoots it up. Uh, and the whole ministry has a field day with that one for a little bit.
0: Right. We also see... so. <laughs> draco's a little prat um, oh but we yeah, can hit on that yeah. we can hop back on that um but of course uh, the rest of the summer goes away it like goes through pretty uneventfully um and they end up back at hogwarts where they learned that the new defense against the dark arts teacher is this retired or mad eye moody and Moody has a very unique approach to education, um, which he turns Draco into a ferret, <laughs> dangles him from the sky for a hot second, and then teaches these fourteen—I mean, these thirteen, fourteen-year-olds uh, the unforgivable curses. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we oh gosh, we'll touch on that too because we just ugh, poor Neville in that scene. Um, but anyhow, that fuels into the the Wizard tournament and the setup for where we where we meet students from the other schools Boba Tonks and D- Durmstrang?
1: Dermstrang. there's an a in there <laughs> I, I think it's Durmstrang.
0: i always say i'm really weird um but we learn um you know they they roll in and the the goblet of fire you know role title sequence here um the goblet of fire they place their names in it and that's who that's what selects who's going to be the champions from the respective schools so we meet fleur de la Clure, um victor crumb ends up being one of the the champions and then cedric diggory ends up being the champion for hogwarts um until the cup spits out of course harry yeah. potter um as you do <laughs>
1: <laughs> which i will i will interject real quick uh, it's not too important but we're, I know we're gonna probably touch yeah. on it later uh, right before uh, like after we find uh, Mad-Eye Moody is teaching uh, Hermione also like starts a thing about uh, called Spew oh, which gosh, is Spew. Uh, I, I just want to make note of it in there uh, Spew is an organization that Hermione is about it's uh, like we should treat house elves with respect and not enslave them uh, yeah. And everyone poops her completely. <laughs> right. I just, I just we, to,
0: yeah, we'll get into that too. Yeah, I Let just me, wanted to make it so actually. it wasn't a
1: complete tangent later. Um, uh, but yeah, so uh, everyone's sort of like, "Hey, Harry, how'd you get your name in there? You're 15." Uh, and <laughs>
0: get wrecked.
1: You can't do that. They but, just
0: start bullying this child. <laughs> yeah. They're like, "How dare you!" Um, but that, of course, leads to the first task where we were we re- we see Charlie Weasley in in uh, in action a little bit. <laughs> Um he of course, the first task are dragons. they're supposed to get these eggs from the dragons, and Haggard lets Harry in on on the no um and matt Madame maxine the 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 Dumbledore of Bobatons, and then uh we see the Dumbledore version of of the the Strang also knows. so Harry being the good little boy he is is like yo Cedric, just letting you know. Mm-hmm. everybody else knows what's happening, so you should too. Um, Harry does some really cool summoning of, of the firebolt and just basically makes the dragon angry enough to leave, (laughs) snatches the egg, um, gets the best time, Mm -hmm. um, putting him in, in first, I believe for the, for the first task, um, which kind of builds up. Um, oh, we just disregarded the whole, the the arguments between Harry and Ron because Ron gets mad because Harry is the champion and he is not, um, which is reasonable. Yeah. 'cause Ron is very like, I knew it. You would try to get the glory. And Harry's like, No, I don't want it. <laughs> Ron's like, I don't care. Um but after the first task they make up. Um which leads us into to the to the Christmas holiday with the Yule Ball.
1: Uh so there's a lot uh that's ha- there's a lot and not at all anything <laughs> that happens in the Yule ball. Right. Which is it's uh it's sort of the the wintertime dance that everyone like has to ask somebody for uh and Harry and Ron both aren't really thinking about it too much so they uh, they ask out the prima primani uh, Pri- twins Pri- I don't know knowvativati twins yes I think, think pravati um
0: I don't actually know wow I <laughs> I have forgotten everything about this book the Patil uh, twins Patil twins okay, sorry. the one's name is pravati that's yes that's where we're at okay <laughs> um and we see of course, Hermione goes with Victor Crumb, mm-hmm. which is like a a hoopla. And Harry, who is in love with Cho Chang, um, well, Cho Chang goes with Cedric, and it's a whole her whole kerfuffle. Mm-hmm. Um, we see some nice nice teenage angst and and
1: kids being kids. I don't know Pant how to up, say this pent up how- emotions and weird fifteen year old things like. <laughs> Uh, that's all that's the title
0: uh, sequence for this episode, the weird 15-year-old thing. Yeah, like that's all we
1: need to say, right? Know, there's like, a we don't way need to make to that radio about.
0: friendly. <laughs> Anyhow, uh-huh. that feeds into Task 2. Um, after Harry bathes with a screaming egg... Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a sentence. That's a... You know, after that happens. You know, after...
0: Um, we roll into Task 2, which is basically... Um, if from for each champion, somebody is taken from them and basically submerged underwater. Um, to where they have to be able to get them, and, and they have an hour to save them. If they don't save them. The ominous feature is that they're probably like they. It's set up that they're gonna die. Yeah. Um, Harry, being Harry, is the first to reach them, but also d- is the last to come up because he is afraid that everybody's gonna get dead and doesn't want anybody to get dead.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. It's noble, but it's a competition. Right, <laughs> like, like
0: get your person and get out. Um, which kind of fuels into the to the setup for the third task, which is, is a while away. And in that time, we see Sirius come back mm-hmm. um, after some raising suspicions of, of Voldemort, kind of starting to be on the upswing of coming back. We see Sirius come through um, and meet Harry in Hogsmeade, mm-hmm.
1: disguised um, in his uh, animagus.
0: Yeah, as Padfoot. Um, and kind of talks with them and goes over the suspicions of Mr. Crouch and and all of <laughs> that can of worms. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see, uh, yeah, <laughs> this is the fun part of where, like, both of our memories kind of start blanking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but then uh, Harry also, I think it's during the, the serious thing, uh, like, goes to the Pensieve and, like, looks into the memories of the court. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. and, and learns a little bit more about Crouch. Uh, we, the, yeah,
0: we learn about Crouch. We learn about Neville's parents. Yes. Um, and the reason Neville acts, we'll, we'll get into that too, yes. of, of Neville' reaction, Neville's reaction to Moody's teachings. Um, mm-hmm. but we learn that Neville's parents were crucioed into insanity mm-hmm. by Bellatrix and Barty and Barty Crouch Jr. Um, and then of course we do learn that Mr. Crouch, uh, the the Barty Crouch Senior, is the reason Sirius got you know, thrown in Azkaban with no trial, which is a whole different thing. Um, and so Harry kind of gets this background information for what's happening. Next would pretty much sets us right into the third trial. Oh, Harry has a dream. About, oh. About every, you know, all that good jazz. Um, Harry's usual, "Al, my scar hurts dreams, which this is the first book where we get his heavy, heavy dreams of him. Yeah. Like, this is see, where, being
1: connected to Voldemort. Yeah, this is where she remembered that plot line. It's like, oh, that's, that's Ooh, nice. That's
0: you're so spicy. That's tasteful. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anyhow, you know, so we go to test three. And, of course, at this time, Cedric and Harry are tied for first place. Mm-hmm. So they enter the maze together. We see Victor Crucio, um, Cedric, mm-hmm. but luckily. Harry, Stupefy, <laughs> Crumb. Um, and then, of course, when they get to the cup, Harry's like, "Hey, well, we both made it here. We're both winning." Yeah. Um, but surprise, it's a port key, which is the last time
1: the port keys are ever.
0: I think. Yeah. No. Tec- um, technically,
1: they use the same one to get back later. But right. That's, that's something else. We'll yeah.
0: Um, and so we see them transported to this uh, this cemetery, this Muggle cemetery. We see the name Tom Riddle, so we know some something's up. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Wormtail carrying Voldemort. We learn. Um, well, is it the, the the bone the blood
1: the bone the blood and the flesh
0: yeah and it's cuz it's um we see wormtail cut off his hand yes um and then harry and Voldemort taking the blood from harry unwillingly and then we see him with the bone of his father and basically this is Voldemort coming back mm-hmm. um he touches his dark mark summons all so, the death eaters which we we see Lucius Malfoy um, kind of make a guest appearance here, um so, oh, yeah, straight up, I forgot I completely neg- as soon as they arrive in the graveyard, uh Cedric gets got oh
1: <laughs> so in my mind that was like Voldemort got risen and then he got got. no,
0: Cedric gets got, yeah, the okay. moment they appear, um he's like killed the spare you know Cedric gets got anyhow, mm-hmm. so then then Harry's got that trauma too, um, but Voldemort comes back. And then the Death Eaters return.
1: Mm-hmm. Then then Voldemort starts uh, villain splaining. Like, he starts villain splaining. And not only that, but he gives Harry like a, he's so overconfident in his abilities that he uh, he like challenges Harry to a duel, not just killing him. He challenges him to a duel and like make sure he has his wand and stuff. Which um, is, <laughs> first off, this, like, dark
0: wizard, not only was he defeated Challenge by a me, one-year-old, Harry. and then by an 11-year-old, and then round two, kind of, by a 12-year-old, but now this 14-year-old, which has beat you three times now, <laughs> just uses Expelliarmus? Yeah.
1: Um, also, Ooh. I don't know. I don't, This is one that I, I feel like we should say. The Harry's able to, like escape from the duel because, like, the Voldemort and Harry's wands are, like, linked. Like, that's a thing right. that I think was already established uh, in the uh, before, but it gets, once again, brought up again here. Uh, and, like, Voldemort's wand starts, like, popping out ghosts of everyone oh, these, yeah. uh, everyone he's killed, including Harry's parents and Cedric, I believe. Right. Um, I forgot about that. Which... I'm trying to think about how that works.
0: That's like, oh my gosh, can you imagine poor traumatized Harry just yeah. being like, here's your parents and the kid you just uh-huh. watched get dead.
1: But, but all the ghosts are like tormenting Voldemort, and he's like, huh? And with the confusion, he's able to grab Cedric's body. Summon Run. the port yeah. key. Summon the port key and get, get back to uh Hogwarts. Hogwarts. So
0: And then so then Harry and Dead Cedric get dropped on the doorstep of this Triwizard tournament. And they're like, yay, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um we see um and then of course Harry is is given the um the the truth potion which Slips my mind at the moment, right? Is he right? Yeah, no, right. he's
1: given it. I can't. So he can
0: validate uh-huh. what happened,
1: and then is immediately whisked away by Mad Eye Moody,
0: which we learn is not Mad Eye Moody, uh-huh. but rather Barty Crouch Jr., With who
1: polyjuice. who
0: killed his father and locked Moody in a in a crate in his office, which is so messed up. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's also.
1: I feel like they put too much. Just I'll, I'll say this now. They put too. He put too much suspicion on himself because. His cover-up story for, like, how, why he was a little weird was, that, like, someone broke into his house, and the, he was like, don't worry, I took care of them. You don't need to worry about them ever. Except
0: he was the one that broke Except into the he house. Except he was the one that
1: broke in. I feel like if you didn't want the heat, don't, like, like, come up with a different story. Don't come up with your <laughs> story.
0: <laughs> it's a little sus there, you know? A little... Um, but then we see... Um, like I so, said, you know, you get this villain splaining round two. Um, Dumbledore's like, "Yo, uh, get Moody to the hospital wing." Um, and then, and then Harry goes back to the Dursleys. Yeah. Uh,
1: I will say though, um, he is he is given the invitation that he can visit anytime he wants to Ron's house. Right. Uh, that that is given to him, but he still does have to go back for at least a little bit to his abusive abusive uh, family. family.
0: And I think I just' it's, the, that was the quickest summary that's the quickest on.
1: summary for the longest book, and I think it's because we had the we had the pleasure this time of like th- uh, <laughs> the trials one and two could be like well, and there's over. a lot
0: of this book that that is very like not I mean skippable isn't the right word skimmable skimmable yeah because like there's so much of a focus and this is kind of a good segue into one of our main topics today there's a lot of focus on this like blissful blissfulness of like adolescence Mm -hmm. there is such a high focus on relationships and and who you know who's messing around with who kind of thing um that we see throughout this entire book it is set up almost immediately um as soon of course we see we we learn about the villa um and they're like insane beauty and such which sets up this you know that whole arc there um and we see the the yule ball serves as a big yeah big like focus on that too because we see a lot of well I want to ask so-and-so, but I shouldn't go with so-and-so because they're not the prettiest or not, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And in and the prime, of course, we see Harry and Ron are just, Harry has to have a date. McGonagall pulls him inside and goes, if you don't have a date, you're going to be the shame of Hogwarts. How dare you? Which is like...
1: Well, also very heteronormative. Yeah. Not only is that like, like really heteronormative, that doesn't even feel like McGonagall. Like that doesn't feel like... I feel like maybe she was warning him more There's than like a, telling him, but I'm it gonna didn't be feel char- like in character. There's a
0: couple scenes in this book that just aren't McGonagall at all. I think it's... She the, has I, a scene where she snaps at Neville and calls him stupid, and I'm like, that's not... She's not that calling is not him out, no. and, I, and they blame it on this like stress of the tournament and stuff, which like makes sense. But like, man, that's still a little out of character. Mm-hmm. Um, the one... <laughs> I will say we do talk frequently about how the the movies differ from the books, of course, um, but one scene that the movie adds that the book doesn't have, of course, is the scene of of McGonagall teaching them to dance. <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in the movie, of course you have, you have Fred and George being Fred and George, and then McGonagall dancing with Ron, and just Ron being uncomfortable. This little weepy-looking 14-year-old brat, and it's just like, this is my professor, I can't I'm t- uh. so also-
1: um, Real quick, something that I, I kind of realized, even with the movie portrayal, I've always pictured McGonagall as being, like, super tall. I don't know about you, but, like, I've always pictured well, her, like, like, super, super well, tall. even in the
0: books, too, though, I have, like, have her pictured. Yeah, she's, yeah. She's described as this very, obviously, her Animagus is a cat. This will yeah. be a little bit of a tangent, which is fine. Her Animagus is a cat, but I've always pictured her as a very, like, I don't know, like, very tall, like, like yeah, lanky, slender. um... And very like poised, like, yeah. just very like straight backed, and I I think we, you know when like a cat does the does the sit tall thing, where they're just mm-hmm. like they're set they sit as tall as they can, and they just they look really elegant. That's how I always just picture Madonna, same vibe, yeah, but yeah, yeah, form. Um, which I mean totally makes so, sense because you know.
1: <laughs> so her dancing with like oh once again in my mind like. Puny, not very tall. Ron is always very <laughs> funny to me.
0: Well, in the books, Ron's described as being super tall. Is he too, super tall? T- I don't the know. Movie.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe he's the same
0: height as Fred and George in the first book.
1: Oh, I guess you're right. Yeah.
0: Um, but we do see McGonagall dances with Ludo Bagman, and I just imagine her. I, there is a scene where she talks about letting your hair down, <laughs> and all of the girls are like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> um, yeah, I just. I love McGonagall so much, and even though she has some bad scenes in this, but anyhow, but speaking, still on the Yule Ball topic, we see so like after you know Snape's doing a little bit of being a red herring, um, with the the Dumbledore of Durmstrang, whose name I can't um, remember off the top of
1: my head. Durmstrang's fine. I can't fine.
0: remember his name, um, but we see. <laughs> I have it. I just have it like underlined in my book. Like, oh my gosh, oh Carrow is the 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 Dumbledore of Durmstrang, mm-hmm. basically. Um, we, when him and Snape are having like you know their red herring meetings, mm-hmm. um, we see Snape catch two students just making out in the bushes, assumedly, and then we see um the line is set. Fleur and and Davies look very busy to Harry, and you're like, is JK Rowling really trying to imply that these kids are having their fun, <laughs> um, just like out in the ground? I don't know. It's very reminiscent. In my mind, Yule Ball is high school prom, yeah, um, where like everybody is <laughs> everywhere I, it's, and it's everybody school, has their tongue down each other's throat. It's wrists.
1: high school prom, but it also has a lot of the awkwardnesses of like a homecoming as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Less prom, more homecoming. Yeah, same chaotic energy though. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that and, and that feels like I said this like this feels into the the big. Plotline of just this adolescence and everybody having crushes on each other, and mm-hmm. uh, well, Harry likes Ch- or Ginny likes Harry, and Harry likes Cho, and Cho likes Cedric.
1: You know what we didn't? You, know, this is a good uh, time to add this in because we didn't mention her in the uh, mm-hmm. the thing. uh Rita Skeeter. Um, oh
0: gosh, yes, Rita Skeeter. Yeah, the worst. Um, She's playing into this she, trope.
1: Yeah, she is. She is right up there. She is almost in a, like an allegory for at the time of like adolescent gossip. Like she is
0: Like K-pop Like like teen pop magazine
1: Yeah like tiger beat levels Of stuff right (laughs) there She is uh, uh, She's like publishing Like oh Hermione is toying with both Harry Potter and Victor Grum's oh, the Oh, the, fir- the first
0: article she posts, the first article she writes about Harry is like, he's never spotted without his trusty Hermione, who is always by his side and it's just charming. And then the next thing she was like, this ugly Reg yeah. is messing around with these two famous boys. And you're like, ma'am, this is a child. This is a child, please. Also, a little, I'm going to get a little, little honest here. It's kind of gross. Mm-hmm. That 17, 18 year old, minimum 17 year old Victor Crum is nothing wrong with 14 year old Hermione. Like, I, mean, I get it. It's like senior well, high I school, think, I think she's in high school, freshman in high school.
1: It's not better. It, it's no. not better, but No, no, it, I no. Think no. She's she would have been
0: 14 because Goblet of Fire is 14. Area.
1: Like, you're right. You're right.
0: But still, like, it's just like, it's like freshman. You know, I know. Yeah, it's, it's like the freshman senior thing here in like, America. <laughs> still. A it's gross. not that
1: it is acceptable. It is still, the, it is Sauce. cause for, yeah. It it is a uh, something you should watch out for, (laughs)
0: right? And then, like, I just oh my gosh, I just this book we see,
1: it's it's weird. Um, Uh. But
0: there's a lot of that, and then you know, like I said, she portrays Hermione as this like absolute, like you know, she is just toying with these two boys, and how dare she? And you're like Rita Skeeter.
1: Get yeah. out of here! Do you have anything better? Harry, to do? the These tears, the
0: tears in his eyes from talking about his dearly departed parents. Mm-hmm. Like ugh, Rita Skeeter is the worst. Any getting back on the the topic of adolescence, we see it throughout of just like this is also the book we see the big separation between the guys and the girls. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. You know, we see a lot. There's a lot of focus on that, and we see a lot of focus on on people liking each other. Because, um, like I said, there's the whole plot line of Harry liking Cho. Um, and it starts a little bit last book, but this book it's very heavily implied. Yeah. Um, he is just head of heels for her, and of course she ends up. She's never like straight up like no Harry. She like there's probably some residual feeling there, but at the same time she doesn't turn down Cedric. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: it looks more it more, looks more like she was either keeping her options open or she was just like being friendly, right? Like it, it's it kind of seemed like she was trying to let uh, Harry down yeah. gently instead of just like, cause also I think there, I think there would probably be a little fear of like, you are like a world famous person. Like if I just completely reject you, it might not be great for me. Which...
0: <laughs> and then we see Hermione getting bullied in the tabloids. So yeah. Was... Yeah.
1: So I think she felt just like, Oh, let me play my cards like, a little close another, to the chest.
0: Another big piece of kind of, of adolescence we see specifically is in Ron's character. Mm. Um, and his jealousy. Yeah. Um, we see him get very jealous of Harry when his name is pulled for the Tri-Wizard Tournament, mm-hmm. which makes sense. This is the kind of jealousy I will excuse out of Ron. Ron, who is, you know, the youngest boy of six, you know, comfortably a middle child because mm-hmm. he has the younger sibling. Um, second fiddle, like, you know, best friend, second fiddle sidekick to this, this wizard who has been famous since he was a year old, you know. And it's completely understandable that Ron gets upset that Harry puts his, even though Harry doesn't technically put his name in the goblet, that Ron thinks Harry did, um, and he just gets so violently jealous. And it's Hermione who points this out to Harry, mm-hmm. like, "Hey, no, he's not being mean to you because he can. He's being mean to you. He's ignoring you because he's jealous. He thinks you did this on purpose." Mm-hmm. And you have all this fame and all this glory, and he has none. And that's we've already learned back in the first book that that's all Ron wants. He wants to stand out, Um, and we see it with the second task. We learn that you know Ron was the one that helped grab um, uh, Fleur's sister um, as Harry saved her. Ron was the one who tugged her ashore, and then Ron gets a little bit of the glory, and he's like, "Ah, yes, pay attention to me." But then, at the same time, I will not excuse Ron's gross jealousy at Hermione going to the to the Yule Ball with Victor Crumb. Mm-hmm. It is gross. It is toxic. It makes me sad. Uh, makes me, not a, not sad. Sad's not the right. It makes me violently upset. that mm-hmm. This character acts like this. Like he acts disgusting to Hermione in that entire scene. And then, of course, and by being gross to Hermione, he's being gross to the girl who agreed to go to the. To the wizarding homecoming yeah yeah and
1: it's it's it, it's also like it feels it feels not maybe not out of character but it feels like a departure from where his character was seemed like he was moving towards right in the other books and i would love to say that this is the only time that this really happens however it doesn't
0: it happens in book it's, seven seven book seven right. especially with hermione and and this is this is one of those places where it makes me mad when people are like it's so un, un, unbelievable that ron and and hermione get together I'm like, no, because in book, like in this book specifically, you see a lot of... There's like obviously some sort of feeling and tension going mm-hmm. on between them because we see Hermione get violently jealous at Fleur mm-hmm. when Ron hits on her or when Ron tries to ask her out. Like Hermione gets mad. She's yeah. like, are you kidding me? Like Fleur, really? She's she's ditzy and young, which we'll talk about Fleur's character here in a little bit. Yeah. Um. But then we see, like I said, we have... Um, Ron is just and we see it again with Ron being jealous of every guy Hermione talks to or is romantically interested in um, because when so Ron of course Ron and Harry get into that fight uh, before the first task um, and it looks like they're getting ready to make up and then the article comes out from Rita Skeeter and is like ah Hermione and Harry are getting or you know they're in love and Ron just immediately gets so mad again and you're like oh well Here's this is the beginning of that residual feeling yeah. between it's, the two of them.
1: Do I think that they would? They are the two cares. Do I think that I wanted them to get together? No, but I can understand why the gears were right, turning right. that way.
0: Especially in this book, like I see it a lot in this, like that that kind of relationship playing out, mm-hmm. and and kind of a little bit of a tangent. Not really. We'll go. We'll move on with this because um, we were talking about Ron with with girls specifically at the Yule Ball. And we see Ron do a lot of that, like, oh, well, how you're going with him. Well, he hasn't even said 10 words. He can't even pronounce your name. Um, but I'm not going to ask you. How dare you? You know.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: and we see this kind of move towards the morally gray with him and Hermione specifically. Not together. Um, but we, we see Ron kind of move to the more morally gray area with his, and his is more of like a dark side on how he treats people in this book specifically. And it does change a little bit as the other books get around. Mm-hmm. But Ron, ha- Ron just gets gross to a lot of people in this book. Um, but at the same time, we see Hermione really have her kind of, not fall from grace. That's not the no, right word. No,
1: she is becoming more like the boys, like the, 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 yeah. the duo there. They, they are all becoming uh, more similar to each other. Uh, I, I assume you're talking about uh, what she does with uh, Skeeter, Skeeter, right? Yeah. Yes, she she straight up finds out that she like was illegally like
0: like an unregistered unreg- animagus.
1: Yes, uh, which is not allowed. You've got to be registered for that. Um, you got to get your license uh, re- <laughs> uh, renewed. Um, but uh, and she was using this to like spy and get some of this information. So instead of reporting her. Porting, uh, her Hermione holds it over her and blackmails her. and It's like, don't do anything like this again, like ever. And is like hoisting it over her, which is right. not only not only like, sure, Rita, Rita Skeeter sucks. However, this is definitely a lot more of a morally gray move for Hermione, especially like how she's kind of like disregarding like rules, whereas that was like her one trait in like right. books one and two.
0: And like, first of all, she just trades up because in the end of this book is when she just. Puts Rita Skeeter in a jar. Yeah, 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 yeah. We see that she has Rita Skeeter in a jar. What? <laughs> also, the fact that this woman's animagus is, like, a ladybug is very, like...
1: Yeah, that actually opens up something. That, right? Like, it's like, no,
0: like w- can... what counts as an animal? Yeah, because yeah. that's not
1: one. That is that's sp- an insect. That's an insect. But...
0: Well, and, like... And, it's also and kind I think of an
1: overpowered Animagus if you're talking about just, like, spying and getting information. Like.
0: Right. Which it totally... I mean, it fits. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the, like, Hermione being mad at... Granted, it's disgusting that Rita Skeeter is using this unregistered Animagus form to get this information. Because, like, that's just... That's wrong. Yeah. And we'll touch on that when we talk more about Rita Skeeter. But... Don't throw stone, don't throw stones when you live in a glass house. Literally serious, <laughs> black is an unregistered Animagus. <laughs> the only reason boy got out of like wizarding prison was because of this Animagus form. And Hermione's just like, oh no no, but she's the problem. And yeah, like,
1: it's yeah, you know. It's it's yeah. Like like I said, it is it's not like
0: It's not Hermione. Yeah, it's
1: it's it's not her. I wouldn't say that it's not Hermione, but it's definitely not the Hermione that we had known so far. This sort of is yeah. her sort of changing and i think she also i don't think has the problem with her being unregistered she has the problem of the way her she's being a, using like, it like like a brat yeah right? yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and we can kind of kind of move here and um, this, this that's a prime example of how this novel's a darker turn yes um this this book is often the the like like categorically the turning point of the series mm-hmm. We move more. We move away from exploring this world, the, this vast wizarding world, mm-hmm. and, and the blissful just happiness that comes with wizardry, and more towards the dark, messed up parts of this world. Yeah, of course we is. see Voldemort is back. Um, we see just the chaos this creates, mm-hmm. and it's just it's heartbreaking. Also, this is this is the first book without the without the happy fluffy.
1: Yeah not not only that, like i wanna uh it, it's got a, it's got a it's got a pretty rough ending mm-hmm. it's also like none of the beginnings of the books have been like overly cheery but like right. this one starts with like how many deaths right like in this in this like in this ha- first hairy dream it's sort of just like oh yeah uh, uh all these people were murdered in this house um the groundskeeper was like the only person left and then like fifty years later he was also killed uh by a like raised Sneaky. up yeah uh, yeah and it's like okay that's kind of that's kind of weird and then harry just wakes up just like oh someone's trying to kill me harry, harry's <laughs> back the guy that, the the guy that killed my parents uh and that's not how like the other ones are like dursley's going to like home depot like that's the starts <laughs> that's the starts of the other books burden
0: does and dursley's like hey would you like to buy this machinery <laughs> and then harry's like i hate you and then they leave yeah like um, well, we do see, and we also see, too, um, this is, like, the beginning of, like, the Weasley twins starting to do, like, some also morally gray things. Um, we see that, first off, I mean, yes, Dudley deserved it because he ate the candy off the floor. However.
1: But it was not dropped. It was It was on purpose. It was that was totally purpose. purpose. It was on purpose,
0: for sure. Um, and we see, you know, poor Dudley gets the butt of all this magical um, boy's tongue grows to, like, mm-hmm. you know astronomical sizes and we see poor neville get the butt of, of the the weasley's jokes as well with the the canary crane mm.
1: yeah you know. so like- i mean
0: poor neville gets turned into a bird
1: yeah <laughs> poor poor neville like I, I i don't think we want to talk about him yet but we yeah, can just say poor so neville
0: poor neville um but yeah like we see of course like you know like harry gets whisked whisked away um but the happiness is immediately interrupted by the dark. Mm-hmm, we are immediately mm-hmm. thrown right back into the to, to the Death Eaters coming
1: back. And the trials also, like uh, I think I think we mentioned this already. The trials, like the implication was that if they failed, they might not make it out alive. They put
0: they were like, hey, you know those fire breathing dragons that are like it takes like seven grown trained wizards to to tame. Yeah, hey, little fifteen year old Harry, fight
1: it. And you're yeah. Like, what? And, like, you can kind of... You can kind of get it. Because these are supposed to be, like, 17-year-old, like, wizards that yeah, are almost still, done. But, like... You have,
0: like, roughly, what, 23-year-old Charlie Weasley? Yeah. Who's just getting his crap wrecked by the one... the Not in the... Obviously, no, crap wrecked. He's trying not to, like, hurt this dragon. But it takes, like, six other wizards who have been trained to tr- to take care of dragons to sedate this one. Yeah, and like... like, so it breathes fire. Um, but you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna put some very also they have no hypothetically, without cheating, they're not supposed to know what they're fighting. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna put a bunch of unprepared teenagers into this arena and tell them to fight this deadly now, thing.
1: Now my headcanon with that was that they part of the challenge was trying to figure out what they had to fight. Right. It felt like everyone are it was like a little loose lipped around there, whereas Cedric was the only person that was like fully on the up and up and was like I'm, not, I'm I'm. not supposed to know. I won't look into anything. Like, the other... Like, I guess Harry wasn't actively looking yeah, for it. Yeah, Hagrid like, was
0: more like, hey, Harry, let me... And I, yeah. actually, I mean, it really wasn't Fleur or Victor. It was their mentors. Yeah, like, I feel it. like...
1: I, I don't know. I, I feel was, like that think, was sort of part of it, but maybe yeah. not. I don't know. And
0: in my mind, that was more of of those two mentors wanting to win mm-hmm. over anything. Um, but we do see... And that is one very positive thing about Harry in this book. Harry is so... Fo- specifically around the first task. He wants the playing field to be even. Mm-hmm. He knows that, that Fleur is going to know because Madame Maxine seen the dragons. He knows that Crum is going to know because Karkarov's seen the dragons. And he's afraid that that Cedric won't find out and he will be the only one that doesn't know. Um, so he immediately, within the, that scene, he goes, okay, I need to tell Cedric. I have to find the time to tell Cedric that we're fighting dragons. Mm-hmm. And... The first opportunity Harry sees, he goes, hey, Cedric, I'm letting you know. And it's very, it's good on Harry's part. Mm-hmm. And we see that work out in his favor because Cedric returns the favor. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cedric really is never blatantly mean to Harry. No. Despite the fact, boy has every reason to be mean to Harry. Yeah. Um, If any character has the right to be absolutely <laughs> disgusting to Harry in this book, it's Cedric Diggory. you
1: yeah, the only person that's being sort of like... one-upped
0: yeah like and like because cedric is literally getting the glory stolen from Mm -hmm. him by this snot-nosed 14 year old
1: brad it's also it's also like i could even understand if he was being nice if like he knew the kid one didn't have any say in like accidentally getting picked and two wasn't harry potter because like if it was just like a kid he could probably get a little bit more fame out of like oh i'm gonna be nice to him and like i'm gonna treat him through this and try to be like Helping him along, and I'm gonna look like the good guy. But it's right. Harry Potter who is established as being the literal chosen one. He's like, mm-hmm. what am I supposed to do here? Like, right. But he, yeah, he is—he's is like almost nothing but nice to him. D- aside from like, like going to the dance with Cho Chang, but that wasn't his that was fault. A, yeah, that wasn't intentional. He's was just and like, also, oh hello.
0: There's a—I mean, there's a little bit of sus on Cedric's part when like they're walking out right after it's announced that Harry won, or not Harry won, but that Harry was also. A Hogwarts representative and he was like how'd you do it and Harry's like I didn't and Cedric's like "Mm, okay alright but like he's never mean to Harry he's always very like "Eh, you know kid gets to shorten the stick kind of thing and it's very I just I love Cedric Diggory Mm -hmm. so much Um, and that that opens up a different topic too with how we're gonna gonna, this is entering the segment of Rag on J.K. Rowling (laughs) Um, because we see her kind of using these characters and using a little, little bit of stereotyping to do so um so we see fleur delacour um who is the only female in in the triwizard tournament as one of the you know one of the champions she is also painted as this very beautiful half Vila,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um in french and she is ma- meant to be this very dainty girl You know, you have Hermione scoffing, calling her stupid, and like, oh, how could she? But Fleur also like she's just, she's just there, you know. Yeah. But J.K. Rowling uses her as like this, like, ah, look, this girl will never compete against these three men.
1: Yeah, it was. I remember her being a lot more of a character instead of like. I don't want to say an object, but that's kind of how she's treated right. in the well, book.
0: Right. Well, and of course, we'll learn in the, in the future books that she does get a character arc. Yeah. Like a pretty, a pretty good one. Yeah,
1: pretty sizable. But like in this one, it, yeah. if it's taken at face value, she's kind of not right. there. She
0: Yeah, and she's played as this like this pawn of just like look at this beautiful girl who somehow made it, and look mm-hmm. at her.
1: Um, there's also only there's only four like champions in this Triwizard Tournament, and like before I read this book, I was like. Who's the other one? It's it's Crumb, Harry, Cedric, and who? Like I couldn't right. remember. She's
0: also the only one to fail a task. To yeah. straight up not complete a task. Um in the second task, she she gets attacked by the Grindelows, and she just doesn't She just doesn't complete the task. But also, to be
1: fair, I think she had the harder of the like like
0: <gasps> That's another thing I want to get into. You mean to tell me that Victor Crumb and, and Cedric Diggory had no other like people that meant things in their life, but they're like Girlfriends of like a month. Yeah, it was. Victor crumb had nobody else he cared for but Hermione.
1: Now, taken taken in a specific way, that could be really sad. Right. But I don't think it was. I think I think he kind of just like the, the high school boyfriend that gets really attached really quickly. Right,
0: and that's like my like my mindset. Like it makes complete sense. And obviously, they're gonna go to lengths to get people because you see. They get her sister from France. Yeah. Um, they're like, hey, Fleur, you want to fly your sister into Britain and we're just going to submerge her in a lake, you know? Yeah. Uh, and somehow the adults were okay with this. Um, but, like, Crumb has only known Hermione on a personal level for, like, what, like, assumedly two months? Mm-hmm. Three months at the point of the trial? Maybe. Um, and that's the only person he cares about enough to be like, I have to save them. It makes sense that Ron is Harry's. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. This is his mean... best friend, his connection to the Wizarding World. Also, Harry has a very sad life. Um, And, of course, you know, Flurs. But Cedric's also doesn't make sense. You mean to tell me Cho Chang, the girl he just started talking to? No.
1: Nah, no. Nah, not she... his
0: parents or, like...
1: Yeah. I, I think she just wanted... She didn't want them to be... She... I think jk specifically wanted there to be some stakes in this one because like i mean death was on the line and i think she wanted to make it so like harry's not the only person who has to save somebody who is like a named character they didn't want it to just be like oh it's amos diggory and it's like okay we've like we met, met him, twice. him yeah we met him twice They he uh jk wanted it to be like it's cho chang you remember her and we're like right. yeah she's more of a character than amos so okay right.
0: and i think well, too, i mean At a a, strategic point for J.K. Rowling, it also offers this moral dilemma for Harry. Mm -hmm. He sees his two best friends, the girl he's, like, head over heels for, and a literal child. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the boy has to to, to pick who he's going to save. Of course, his his is meant to be Ron. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know that. They don't learn that until later. But, like, it's very heartbreaking cuz Harry starts like like freaking out. He's like I don't I can't I don't have the time to save all of them. Also the murder people weren't going to let him save all of them. Yeah. Um it take I mean he fights tooth and nail to get Gabriella Fleur's mm-hmm. sister out, but
1: Also um I know it's been a repeating theme of me bringing up things in the movies that have scarred me but the mer people oh my god yeah the book mer people because i know that in in like in the book they describe them as not being like a typical like mermaid mermaid, it's like it's like they're scary but like i was kind of picturing i guess in my head like uh like ariel with sharp teeth and red eyes like this
0: not mm, this like humanoid yeah
1: it was creepy and that one that one scared me for 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 a good (laughs) bit Not, not to mention Victor Crumb's uh, like shark transformation. That's ceremony. so
0: freaky, and that's I mean that's pretty accurate to the book though, because we see Ron mocking Hermione when they're talking about when Victor asks Hermione to hang out with him this summer. Um, Ron's like, "Oh, was that after his whole, you know, after he lost the shark head?" Hermione's like, "Yes, it was."
1: Like, Which that also kind of maybe maybe that is a little bit more on Crumb. Maybe he really doesn't have anybody else because he he right. met this girl for like a month and it's also like, hey, you want to come visit me in the summer? I think he might have a really sad life that we just don't know.
2: Things that could...
1: <laughs> Unless he's just like, uh, for lack of a better word, just a meathead that only knows Quidditch. Like if he was poss- like raised in a prodigy family.
0: Which is possible because Boy is a a world-renowned Quidditch player at 17, 18. <laughs> like very possible, but also very sad. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh
1: we might need to cut this line no. out here. So this okay. is like, this is the line here if you need right. to. But like, I think Victor Crumb, I headcanon here. I think he's like total himbo. Like, <laughs> like, I think he's just dumb, but sweet. Like, I don't know. I know he's a little Which weird, true. but
0: Which, we kind of see that a little bit set up. Like I'm going to be honest because we see him just pining for Hermione. He's always in the library. Cause he figures out that she's there. Yeah. And he's like, you know, Harry even points out at some point he's like Richard Crumb is looking. What why is he here? Yeah.
1: I don't I, know if it's I don't
0: I, think he can read. Why is he here? I don't
1: I'm not sure if it falls into creepy or like sweet. I'm not sure where the line is. That if is I'm a being thin honest. line in general. It's a really it's a really <laughs> thin say, line. Because
0: like personally, if a guy I'd only been like talking to or like friendly with for like a month or two was like, Hey, do you wanna you wanna come stay with me this summer? I'd be like <gasps> no yeah. <laughs> i would run away
1: yeah i don't know i think it is um i think it is it, i think it is, is it only acceptable line. yeah it's only acceptable because other than like the whole crucio thing he is shown to be like Decent. sweet but then also he used the crucio he so, like, crucio
0: poor cedric um which harry saves with stupefy which is mm-hmm. just a Harry, which hairy thing.
1: we didn't mention this but like the only reason he really thought to use stupefy was because Sirius was like hey something's up Practice your hexes real quick. Like, <laughs>
0: right. Get your
1: stupefies and your spell, expelliarmus is like prepped up. Like make sure you got the well, spell slots he really, for him. He
0: really goes cool. I have two spells now. Yeah, like, <laughs> he goes okay. Stupefies, crumb, um, but doesn't think to use it against Voldemort. He's like. Uh, takeaways. one. I'm
1: sure, I'm sure, because it's a really, it feels like a base level spell. I'm sure that that like is some sort of prestidigitation or something that like the uh, <laughs> Voldemort has a protection against. Because if you can just point a wand and then, although to be fair, you'd think they'd also have a protection against the Spelliamus. So like, maybe not. Maybe he right. could have just made Voldemort go, Like <laughs> I don't know.
0: Voldemort said, we don't do basic magic here. You either get killed or do the killing. <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna swear right there, but we'll just we'll keep rolling. Just bleep it. <laughs> All right. um, um yeah. That, next okay, up. Yeah. Um next up we um I do want to touch just, 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 just a little bit to kind, kind of, of just, a little, bit, just kind of a little bit. I would. I would. Well no we'll get on this later. Never mind. We'll. talk we'll okay. probably. Um let's go ahead and talk about spew.
1: Yeah. First off, uh, Bad
0: acronym Hermione. Yeah. Um which well, uh, no I
1: here's the thing that is yeah that is on purpose I think because the entirety not to like steal this one away but like the entirety sort of of spew is like Hermione like hey we shouldn't treat house elves like slaves. That's kind of bad. Which is and then reasonable, which is reasonable. Like there, that was kind of like a sentiment that was provided with Dobby. It was like Dobby wanted to be free and everyone seemed to be on that train of like, we shouldn't enslave them. However, it's then like painted by like, by JK. And then uh, like by force, kind of like Harry and Ron are just like, Oh, come on. It's, it, Things are already things are already set up like like that. Like don't you don't want to rock the boat, which is never a good defense when <laughs> right. talking about an issue well, because, like that.
0: Because we hear we hear many of the Weasleys, specifically Percy and the twins, be like, "No, house elves like being slaves," and like, you're like, that, "What?" Like that's not a, that's not a something that the twins would say. And then we see Ron kind of get on that boat, not as hard, but is very like once Hermione starts aggravating him. He's like Hermione. They just, they don't care. And we see, of course, like Dobby, Dobby cares. Dobby does not yeah. want to be. Um, when we see, but we do, and we see Dobby be like, oh, well, Dumbledore offered me this much money and I turned it down because I do like working. You're like, there's a very problematic layer here that J.K. Rowling is painting. Um, because then we see Winky's entire reaction to this, yeah. to getting fired, um, to getting, from getting like, you know, f- Freed, quote yeah. unquote, from her family, um, and then and then getting the job at Hogwarts, she is distraught, and like just, that just it paints a very problematic picture
2: mm-hmm. in
0: this this level of of I mean obviously I mean obviously they they say straight up it's an analogy for slavery.
1: It's yeah, it's like and if it wasn't, I really wish like I understand what maybe she was going for, but like mm-hmm. don't don't if you're gonna make it this weird and like coded and like oh they like to do it don't out directly say it's an allegory for slavery right,
0: right, right this is um on this week's episode of jk Rowling is the worst here's why um hey maybe just don't imply that you know people like being slaves like that's not yeah that's not a good thing to say yeah
1: i don't like I don't know It's I just, it's oh. rough And we could spend more on that But I don't want to rehash What we've already Sort of right, talked right. about For J.K. being cra- uh, right. trashy
0: Like there's so many g- Great things that J.K. Rowling Just does To make her look awful um, And then of course we see too um, And we've seen this before In book three And I can't remember If we talked about it any Last week When we talked about um, kind of Hermione's. Hermione disregards divination because it is mm-hmm. a frillier and a less less structured, um, like academic trope. And yeah. we see her d- like disregard Lavender and Paravati? Pravati. Pravati. There we go. Um, we see her disregard them because they favor divination. Mm-hmm. Like that's messed up. Um, but it's then also, we see. What?
1: It's, sorry, it's it's also like that. It, it's weird that like not only Hermione like looks down on them for that, but but that J.K. like directly said it up that she's like, I'm gonna put some like some discredit, uh, discreditation like on this art of divination, and also make these two characters only like specialize in divination. Like it was weird that like it just felt weird, like a weird choice from J.K. as if she was trying to say something, and then having Hermione like affirm it. Like it's it was really weird. Well, and me. those
0: are the I mean. In their year, those are the only other girls we see aside from Hermione. Yeah. We see Hermione, and we see them too. Um, we're not really—we don't ever talk about other girls from their year. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, Pansy gets brought up, but that's more of like in conjunction to Draco. Yeah, it's. Um, but in that same sense, when when it comes to Spew, we see um, Hermione on the other side of the coin. We see most of the guys in the story writing Hermione off as being temperamental, and and you know this like. The stereotypical social justice warrior who, mm-hmm. well, you don't, you know, you're just being way too overbearing. Like, how dare you assume things? And they, and almost every guy in the story is just like Hermione, shut up. Yeah, um, you're being dramatic. You're being emotional, and that's not a positive imid- image to have here, J.K. Rowling. Um, that's not. Yeah. Like, that, that made me so mad in reading this. Just how everybody kind of disregards Hermione's. Drive as she's just being overly sentimental, overly emotional, which is such a common trope for girls that makes me violently angry. (laughs) Like, no, Hermione has every ground to be, you know, to be defensive of the selfish uh, welfare. She did not know that Hogwarts was ran off a slave, you know, slave labor, Mm -hmm. and for her to find out this just rocks her identity. It's completely reasonable that she's so upset.
1: Yeah, I mean it's uh, when you find out that like oh this is a great place but it's being run off of people that are like not getting not getting paid, just getting treated like basically trash. Yeah, trash. It's like, "Okay, she she has not right. n- not only does she have a point here, she is right here." Like she's right.
0: Was, and it just it makes me mad that every guy in the story, even Harry, does. Who's usually on Hermione's side in most of this, but we even see Harry kind of just write her off. Oh, you're being dramatic and overbearing, Hermione. And it just makes uh, yeah. disgusting. Um, and another thing I want to talk about the reason reason J.K. Rowling is bad, uh, kind of. Which one? <laughs> well, I am going to talk about speech. Um, that's a big a big. Well, I think it's technically a uh, no. It's a symbol. Um, In this book and in other books we have seen that J.K. Rowling uses dialect to kind of indicate social standing. Mm -hmm. We see it with Hagrid um, with with a very heavy accent portrayed because he is stupid. He, you know, he is portrayed as stupid. He's portrayed this like loose lipped and um, very like bumbling kind of guy who didn't complete schooling mm-hmm. so you know his accent portrays that he is kind of kind of on the stupider side which is problematic enough mm-hmm. um we see the accents affect both the other two um champions in this book as well mm-hmm. we see that, that fleur has a very obviously a very french accent and it's hard to understand her um and then we see the same thing with crumb uh crumb's accent makes him almost uh, like Incom- un-understandable yeah you
1: know? That's also tied into, I think that's not just accent, but he's like, he doesn't speak English very well. Or at the very right. least that's what they, like, portray make him it, to, portray do, it yeah. to be, which is also problematic. Like, right. almost putting an emphasis that if you do not know English, you are dumb. It's right. like, it's really, right. it's really JK. Like, I don't know how much else we can.
0: Well, and, and the biggest one, of course, is how the, how the house elves speak. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The house elves are are set up to have this very I don't even know how to describe it. The easiest way I can think to describe it is um it was a common trope in American literature, you know, right about Civil War era, um, antebellum era, civil war, and then post civil war reconstruction era. Um, for a type of fiction called plantation fiction. Or um and it was basically these stories of how, well, Well, slavery wasn't the worst because slaves didn't you know hate being enslaved and one the one that the 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 house elves speech reminds me of so much is um this one i cannot remember the author right now but it's the stories of uncle remus um basically you know the tale goes that the uncle remus is this is the as a freed slave who still works for the family that he was enslaved to just now he you know, does it by choice, which is a messed up image as itself. Um, but his kind of English is very broken, very um, kind of. Uh, he talks in third person instead of first person. Um, he doesn't understand like, you know, oh, how to make things plural or past tense. It's very, it's it's poor English because mm-hmm. it's meant to show that he's stupid and that, you know, that oh, look, these like all of this is the trope that all freed slaves fall into and we see that with the house elves the house elves have a very similar speech pattern mm-hmm. and jk rowling's the worst <laughs> i mean the hook line yeah. singer that's the whole thing that gets me mad about this is jk rowling does that on purpose here um that the house elves have this very broken very elementary language and yeah, yeah. which and it just it really doesn't paint a positive picture um when you think of it on in that so yeah (laughs) i don't know where else to go with this um and we can hop back on hagrid too because we've talked uh, before about hagrid's speech um but here we learn that hagrid is in fact half giant Mm -hmm. i thought we learned this earlier in the series yeah
1: i I felt like i felt like that was something that we were introduced to but weren't like we didn't figure out that that was a problem until then maybe it's just because maybe it was like alluded to or maybe our memories are just failing us um But, yeah.
0: That's what I thought. I thought – I always thought it was talked about earlier in the series, but I guess I just never – because here it's revealed as this big secret. Yeah. And we see the Wizarding World reaction. We see Hagrid's reaction to people finding out. We see Madame Maxine's reaction to Hagrid implying that she is half-giant. Yeah. And we also see the three members of the trio and their different reactions. Mm -hmm. Um, so Hagrid is heartbroken when this story gets out. When Rita Skeeter uses her dumb powers <laughs> to, to eavesdrop on Hagrid, we learn that Hagrid,
1: mm-hmm. um, is...
0: she publishes it.
1: Yeah. She publishes it. He almost stopped. He almost quits teaching until he's like,
0: if it would not have been for Dumbledore being like, if you're not in, you will be in the great hall at eight thirty in the morning. I don't care. Yeah. Um, and we see Madam Maxine gets violently angry at Hagrid for suggesting that she is half giant. Mm hmm. Granted, the woman is like described as being like
1: ten foot tall. Yeah, like Like, she's
0: she's massive. Probably she was. She had
1: she had her special minifigure in the Lego series, like the ones with like the weird bottomed feet. She was huge. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) I know that's.
0: Thank you for giving me the.
1: (laughs) Sorry, I know that was. I I I know that that was.
0: You're you're revealing how truly dorky you are. (laughs) Listen,
1: I had every Lego set for Harry Potter. (laughs) Terrifying.
0: um but either way we see her get so mad at hagrid for suggesting that she she is just big boned how dare he assume mm-hmm. and hagrid's like big boned excuse you no like you're you know yeah. um and then we see and then like i said so we see the three the three mm-hmm. members of the trio and their reaction we see harry who is just like uh-huh. know, what's it matter yeah and then we see ron who's like oh my gosh that's awful how did we not know this how could Dumbledore let somebody like that work here? Oh, my yes, gosh. So, yeah. And then Harry's like, whoa, this is still Hagrid. Ron's like, well, yeah, I guess you're right. Um, and then we see Hermione like, <laughs> you didn't know? Like, mm-hmm. come on.
1: It also, that's something else that I want to bring up. I hate more ragging on JK. It's not, like the, it's not like she set up that, oh, it's just that people view half giants as bad, but they're not actually bad. She sets it up in like the problematic way of that, where she's like paints Hagrid as like, an exception to the clause that they're all like
0: right because like is, his mother's described as being you know this awful yeah this awful mean giant and who sides with Voldemort and and we we were introduced to this concept that oh he is no better than his people how dare he
1: yeah it's oh, it I is it's you. it's one of those it's ugh, JK. Right. It, it, it's ugh J K that's all I can really say on the right. matter.
0: And I feel like that a lot of this book is just oh my, um, I think is almost time for us to just kind of go into into our characters for the week. All right, well let's, let's well, start with Rita. Yeah, I feel like Rita Skeeter. First off, um, and we're gonna we're, you know hold up, we're gonna rag on J.K. Rowling just a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, because it really makes me mad. Um, and you were you are a journalism major, correct? Yes. Yes. I was a journalism major before going to English. Um. But this, I still get violently angry when people imply that media is inherently bad because that is your, you know, that is what you choose to go into. Mm-hmm. Um, this perception of media that they are that they're sneaky, that they're going to twist your words. First off. If you've taken any entry-level journalism class, you will learn that is not... That's literally not the case. That is
1: rule number one in the no-no book.
0: Right? Like, you do not twist people's words. You do not take things out of context. Mm -hmm. You don't frame it like that. And it makes me mad when that is the only perception of media you give us in your entire book. I know. The only touch of media we get in this book, with the exception of, like, Luna and her family uh, that we'll get more into next book, is... Is that Rita Skeeter, the, this this snaky woman that that edits everybody's words, who over dramatizes everything, who makes it out to like, oh these these poor neglected children are all oh, that evil witch of a girl? Mm-hmm. Um, media isn't like that, and don't make that your only your only media. Yeah,
1: tie to it. It's. And like, I don't, I don't, we're not gonna, we're not pretending like the media does not have issues and right. stuff like, like that. like, by no We're means. just saying that like, the only portrayals of it are this sort of like, evil forces. Like, and, even and, and even honestly, the little things, like, Sirius is getting like, uh, was getting like, like, plotted around as like, completely evil because of all of this, like, because uh, all, all the way that the media was spinning it uh, because right. of the mystery of magic. It's just that everything being covered by the media is kind of a falsehood. And like, it's right. not, not great.
0: Right, and like, and don't get me wrong. This is not the only series that we see that this is not the only type of you know of any. I mean, Criminal Minds, which is one of my favorite shows, does it. Mm-hmm. They they portray the media as he's snaky. They're going to try to do whatever they can to get the story. That's not the case. Yeah. You don't. There's there a code of ethics for a reason. Yeah. Um. And archetypes like Rita Skeeters are the worst. <laughs> and the reason that people don't have a distrust in the media. Um. And that's, that's its own thing. But Rita Skeeter is. Rita Skeeter is a very bad character. Yes. Um she I want to say she's probably number 3 on my people I hate in the series list. Okay. Um she's behind Umbridge. Yeah. That we we'll, we will we
1: will meet next week. Um and like behind Voldemort, I guess. See, I don't like Voldemort, but I don't think he falls on the I don't think he falls on my list of like <laughs> <laughs> the bad ones, cause he's he's the villain. I feel like it's a cop out to put him in the like the bad list. Yeah, the bad list. Uh, like
0: Wormtail's up there too. He
1: yeah, I think it's it's Dolores. It's oh, I, I added somebody to the list last book. Was oh, it Wormtail? Lockhart. Lockhart. Yeah, I don't like I don't like him. He's creepy. Um... And, but Rita
0: Skeeter's up there. Yeah,
1: Rita Skeeter's definitely up there. Um, oops.
0: <laughs> but we see. Oh my God, she's just the worst. Yeah. Um. I I have a it makes me really first off do not sexualize these children these yeah. literal children 14 right and like so and like we said earlier as a joke she does a lot of the like the, the tiger beat like teen pop magazine style of writing
1: Harry Potter has a crush on Uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Like
0: all of her and all of her articles are like that. Yeah, it's um, they're very expose, and you're like, "Mm, ma'am.
1: And it's also none of it is none of it is like that's that's another thing about her character. None of it is like journalistic stuff. It's not like coverage of events. Like that's not like that's kind of what she like seems like she's there for. Like she's but she's she's not. She's she's specifically covering gossip. Right. Uh, and like tabloid esque stuff, um, right?
0: Uh, and it's like, mm, like okay, like the, and the language she uses is very
1: uh, like, slurry and slimy. Like she's right, trying to set up things in a specific you, way. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like um, the scene right here, uh, when okay, the article that she uses to reveal Hagrid's yes. uh, like Hagrid's um, parentage. Albus Dumbledore, eccentric headmaster of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, has never been afraid to make controversial staff appointments, writes Rita Skeeter, special correspondent. Um, In September, he hired, and then it goes through, and we just see her using that kind of language throughout, you know, just like
1: her writing really was like a like a political smear campaign ad. <laughs>
0: right. Also, she—I don't know why—but the only quotes she gets throughout this entire book is she gets Draco and Pansy.
1: Yeah. Like <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> Pansy's like Hermione's oh the worst. I hate her.
1: Like and real then, reliable sources <laughs> there.
0: Right? But um, but yeah, I don't even. Oh, Rita Skeeter is just one of those characters, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, like, and this kind of goes right back to what we were talking about earlier with like Hermione blackmailing her. Granted, you should never blackmail somebody. However,
1: if she come had up to, I was <laughs> looking, if she had to blackmail somebody, all right, all
0: right. like if we're gonna, if you're gonna. If you're going to put somebody in a jar, it should be a yeah. <laughs> Skeeter. Like, if you're going to, yeah. Like, I just. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, like, I think I think that's about. That extinguishes our, our Rita Skeeter content yeah. for right now. Now. Now we get to talk about Neville. Neville
1: Longbottom.
0: <laughs> so, he's the sweetest.
1: He's the sweetest. And his parents were tortured into insanity. <laughs>
0: phrased by an awful grandmother. Awful
1: grandmother. I think you can kind of draw some ties for yourself that he kind of is a parallel for Harry. It shows right. that it shows that Harry is not the one person. Like he's not the sole like casualty in these mm. things that like Voldemort and his like army sort of did. It is that everybody's lives got completely fricked up. Uh, <laughs> uh, just, just because like really just because. Right. Um, and Neville deals with a lot of, like, the brunt of that. Uh And not not only that, but he is immediately harassed, uh, like, by everyone this year. Like, he, when uh Barty Crouch Jr., in disguise of, uh, as Moody, shows up and he's oh. like, Hey, uh, let me show off these curses. Hey, didn't your parents, like, go <laughs> insane because of that? That's kind of <laughs> wacky. Uh, like, anyway, here's a little quirky lesson for you. Yeah, like,
0: right. And, and then that's one of the most heartbreaking, I think yeah. that's one of the most heartbreaking scenes in this book, is you see, you know, he's like, all right, like, crouch moody. Um, for the sake of this, we'll just call him moody, because this is referred to yeah. in the book. We see him ask, does anybody know the unforgivable curses? Um, and, of course, we see the imperious curse, and, you know, somebody rattles it off. And then Neville raises his hand, and he goes, cruciatus curse. Mm-hmm. And, and... Barty Crouch or you know Moody was like okay cool let's demonstrate it but to really get the full effect we're gonna make this poor innocent spider ginormous so you could see the torture in this poor thing yeah yeah, yeah and yeah, then yeah, tortures yeah. it and Neville is sitting there he is white knuckled on the desk just staring straight ahead the boy I you, oh my gosh the amount of trauma um that goes into this and of course at the end of class we see he is just in the hallway just kind of blank he's emotionally raw at mm-hmm. this point and Hermione, Harry and Ron are like, "Hey, are you okay?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm fine. Um what's for lunch? I really I, th- th- just I need to go."
2: Yeah. Um
0: and then Mad-Eye's like, "Come on." And now there is one good one good quality with Mad-Eye there is that he Professor Sprout tells him that Neville is good at herbology. Mm-hmm. So to make up for this awful, you know, interaction he he gives him a herbology book. He's mm-hmm. like, "Here you go, buddy." And this t- is interesting.
1: Yeah, but like Still like, ha ha! Tortured your parents.
0: Right. Made you sit
1: through that. Here's a book that right. make it better. Also,
0: Barty Crouch Jr. is the one that like did it. Helped. He, he, he did, did it. Right. And you're uh, like, oh my gosh. Um. And we see Neville. There are multiple times in the in the book where Neville gets so violently upset at the mentioning of this curse. Uh huh. And we learn, like I said, we learn in the in the scene of the pensive that that Neville. That his parents are actually insane; that they mm-hmm. have been tortured to insanity. It's so heartbreaking. Um, but kudos, and we'll we'll that we'll get into that more with next week too yes. with Order, um, because it, it's where we get a lot about them.
1: Yeah. And also, this book like gives a lot of context to Neville, because before like he had kind of just been a little bit of comic relief, except in the first book, which right. that that's something I think can be said about uh, Goblet, which is. It's not the best book in the series, uh, like definitely. However, it has the most ties to like sort of like left leftover threads from the first book. Mm-hmm. And it, it sort of ties everything in and like makes the world feel a bit more fleshed out.
0: We do get a lot of character development. We from get a lot, a lot of, of character characters. development.
1: And I especially like Neville's my favorite. Uh but like it is nice to see like with this added context, like this dude was like like basically raised in like the world of like Magic's cool but it's scary as like right. heck like it is it is rough your parents went insane cuz of this and not even not even like like by like the dark lord himself like nobody knows your story but your parents were tortured very like like right. to a similar extent to what happened to like uh, uh, Harry's parents, and like he still has the courage to stand up to his friends, s-
0: right? It's and I'm gonna argue that that the fate of Neville's parents is is worse. worse. Yeah, yeah, because, for sure. Because that gets into the whole the whole argument of like what's really living in.
1: Yeah, live but, living in living living in like permanent suffering is worse uh, than right, just a quick death. It's
0: so, oh, I just
1: especially like found a cadaver, like
2: it's quick and easy. Okay, yeah, like, they describe it as Ill. being
1: an instant death, which isn't a bad. Way to go! (laughs) Right. If you had to pick a mode, if there was a, if there was a button, if there were two words I could say, and I'm just gone, sure.
0: Like, I I would much take that over this, like, over
1: eternal torture.
0: Right. And 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 another thing that, that with Neville is Neville's not necessarily the bullied kid, but he's he's definitely the kid that you went to high school with. Everybody's like not not friends with him, but they're friendly to him because it's pity. Yeah, it's it's, it's he's so sort of like
1: he's sort of like the kid though that like the popular girls around prom would like jokingly ask him out, right. and then everyone feels bad, but still nobody feels bad enough to like to, like act- let him know. Yeah, and it's and,
0: and we see we see of course he asks out Hermione to to go to the Yule ball, and she's like I'm sorry, I, I already have a date. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, okay, that's fine, and he's like, hey, Jenny. I know you're younger. Do you want to go with me? And Jenny's like, yeah, sure. I, that sounds like a great time. Um, it's oh gosh. And then don't. Ron bullies Jenny for going. Yeah. yeah. Screw you, Ron. Ron had a horrible arc in this. This Ron had a horrible he, arc right. in this. but we have we have him just being mean to Jenny because Jenny's like, yeah, I'm going with Neville. What's mm-hmm. what's up with? And he's like, with uh, Neville, really? And Jenny's like, yeah. And that's another another character I want to talk about with this book. Ginny gets an actual character yeah. arc. This book. Not even an arc, but she has she, a
1: personality. It's
0: so wild. She's not she's not just Ginny. She's not just in love with Harry. She like, we see her spunk. We see her immediate like shut down of Ron. Because mm-hmm. Ron starts laughing at her. Yeah. And when Hermione comes in, she's like, What are they laughing about? And, and Jenny just goes, mm. well, it's because neither of them can find dates for the thing. So they're mad that both of us have dates. And Ron and Harry just shut up immediately. <laughs> they're like, yes. Go, Jenny. <laughs> Be mean to your brother. He deserves it. Um, and we, and multiple times in the Yule Ball chapter, it's said that Neville and Jenny are having a fun time. They are having a good time at the ball together. It just makes my heart so happy. I'm like, good, <laughs> good for Neville. Good for Jenny. Mm-hmm. Jenny has a character arc, <laughs>
1: Um, before before we move on, yes. Um, I will throw one more thing in the ring about Neville, which yes. is that not only do they like establish, like, oh, he likes uh, like herbology. Uh, and like it's not just like a thing that's like oh we want to make sure that this character this named character has like a quote a unquote major like a thing that they're going for, but it's also like he like comes to Harry and is, like oh Harry I you I know you want to do this uh how about this like gillyweed thing like he comes up and like helps Harry out with like this strategy right. of like this can help you in the tournament and it's right. not just like he's being used as like
2: here hello Harry scapegoat here
1: is here is thing I leave now no personality like he's like. I don't know. It's I think it's really nice the way that like he sort of helps out Harry there and like not just sort of forced, uh, forcedly through the plot.
0: Right, and I just I love Neville's just so. We're gonna get a lot more of Neville too in the in the next books,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and I think this also this book does a good job of developing the friendship between Neville and Jenny, kind of like yeah. what I was talking about earlier. But that's the beginning of their true friendship, and it just makes my heart
1: happy. <laughs> Well, um, speaking of, do we want to move on to MVPs?
0: I think so. I think it's MVPs.
1: Okay. Uh, do you I have th- one? I have 2 MVPs. Okay. I have a feeling that one of them might be picked by you, so I have a backup.
0: Uh, I'm not I don't know. I'm not sure. Um I'm trying to think. Mm.
1: If you want if you want to go first, uh you can, but I can also go first.
0: I'll let you go first and okay. you can say both of them.
1: I can say both of I them? Can say both of them. Okay. Well, one of them, for reasons that we kind of just talked about, is going to be Neville. Of course. (laughs) Uh Uh, I wasn't – if you were going to choose one, it was going to be Neville. uh, (laughs) But, like, he he does so much uh, for the plot. He, like, has to go through all of this sort of just crap. He's, like, he's built up as a character. He helps out Harry. He's, like, the only reason that Harry's able to, like, get as far as he does in the tournament. And, I mean, I feel like saying anything else on him – is kind of gonna be like, redundant, yeah, redundant. Yeah. We just talked about him, right? Um, but I think he's, rewind
0: thirty seconds. Yeah, and you got it.
1: Uh, the second one uh, is more of my, more of my sort of funny joke backup, which is I think an MVP has to be Voldemort's wand, because <laughs> okay. like, because okay, think about this. Harry was gonna die <laughs> if Voldemort's wand didn't decide to do a one and only trick of. I'm feeling a little guilty a little today. Spicy. Let's bring back my victims and just have all the ghosts come out and distract. I'm not sure if that's like a resurrection stone thing that like I wasn't quite getting, but it was really weird. Right. Um it was really weird. It never comes up again aside from the resurrection stone. Um and it just was able to distract Voldemort enough that Harry could escape. And if that doesn't feel like some sort of fun day sex like this is the only reason harry's still living i don't know what else is
0: right yeah no i'll give it to you that's a that's a good one um i'm gonna go with cedric diggory yeah um sad he got got but um we just see how amazing of a character he is he never gets nasty at harry he is just this he's you know he tit for tat kind of thing where it's like harry help me out i'll help him out um, but he's never going to be mean to Harry. He also gets along with all the other champions, with the exception of when Victor Crumb, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, it, but we multiple scenes we see him talking to Fleur. We see him talking to Victor. We see him interacting with Harry. He is the only champion that directly interacts with Harry, mm-hmm. with the exception of when Fleur hugs Harry after the second task. And I just, I love Cedric. He's just so, he's just portrayed as this very good guy. And we've seen that in the last book. And we see it a lot more in this book. And I just, it's a shame he got God. Mm-hmm. Um, and it left, and poor Harry's just going to, so much emotional trauma with watching Cedric. Also, like, Cedric's dead body just hitting the ground beside you. Can you imagine you're just vibing with your friend and you end up at a graveyard and then he's dead at your feet. Like, you're really going to get thrown off there. Yeah. Um, anyhow, <laughs> MVP.
1: Okay. Or er, I think it's LVP. Is LVP is yeah, valuable. Okay. Yes. LVP. LVP. I've got mine. Um, I feel weird saying this one. LVP for this one is Dumbledore. Okay. Okay. So and like I Go know it's a it. little bit of a stranger pick. He doesn't do anything. Like he like he like he begs Moody to come in, and like I guess it's just for like he needed a replacement but he barely does any like looking into the he's just like oh yeah there was a break-in uh don't worry everything's handled no okay sure you got it constantly drinking out of a flask never had like a weird drinking problem before okay seems normal (laughs) like he doesn't dumbledore doesn't do like anything of this and like when when harry's name gets pulled he's like at the very least in, in the book it is like a he calmly asks like Hey, Harry, you put your name in here? And, like, he's like, No, I didn't. He's like, Okay. And then he's like, Well, I don't know what to do. And then Moody's like, Ah, it's the rules, though. So you got to do it. And (laughs) you got to get God. Yeah. Dumbledore's like, Okay, that's fine. He's very, I don't want to even say pushover. He's very, like, Okay. Yeah, complacent. He just doesn't do, like, anything. And I have a feeling that if he put his foot down, just just like not but once in in the book if he just stopped one thing from happening I just
0: went, hold up wait one second yeah like it's it's
1: yeah i i just feel like dumbledore was like not out of character just nothing in this right. book. i feel I mean, like he was a he wasn't despite all the power that he's shown to have over the school in previous books he kind of just goes with the flow a lot right, right. the only like know. one thing he does is like helps with the pensive but like also yeah. that's nothing much either
0: that's not – and, like, oh, it's not really on – that's more of, like, Dumbledore being, like, well, you kind of have to understand what's happening. Yeah. Here's some exposition. Yeah.
1: Like like I said, I don't – he's my LVP just because, like, I like – He uh, just
0: doesn't do anything at this point. Nothing. He's, yes. not, he's,
1: he's l- the least valuable so far.
0: I'm going to go with Ron.
1: Yeah, he was my follow-up. Because
0: Ron is just – I. Uh, and Ron used to be one of my favorite characters. I'm gonna be honest. He's out
1: of vogue in this one,
0: right? And and then like in rereading the series, um, specifically in this book, I hate Ron. Oh my gosh, the the language he uses to talk about girls to talk about other you know to talk about the guys that Hermione is interested in is just disgusting and toxic and it makes me mad um the fact he like straight up ignores his date to sulk about Hermione and then has the audacity to be like mean at Hermione for going out with somebody else and Hermione has every reason to just be like well maybe ask me out next time not as a last resort Mm -hmm. uh get wrecked um Ron deserved it uh at that moment like Hermione should have just like Threw a, like, threw a smoothie a smoothie on his head and it would have <laughs> yeah. fit. Um, but yeah, Ron's just the worst. He gets mad at Harry, which is like excusable, but still like, man, that's your best friend. Like there's like a line there. Um, and like, I don't know, just, man, Ron is bad in this one. Yeah,
1: Ron's out of line. Right.
0: Um, like, And uh, as I want to say, as this is the midpoint of our, our reread of Harry Potter and mm-hmm. our midpoint of the series... I think we should do the first half of the series MVP and LVP.
1: Okay. Okay, that's fair. Um. Um.
0: I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be yeah, honest. Go I'm gonna snatch you. I'm gonna go LVP first because okay. this is really the one. I this was. I had this thought while you were talking. Okay. I'm gonna assign LVP to Dumbledore for the first half of the series. That's fair. For most of the reasons you described earlier, mm-hmm. uh, he just lets a lot of crap fly. Man hires. He doesn't screen, um, freaking Coral. Hires Lockhart as a joke, but still very detrimental.
1: <laughs> Isn't this funny? Oh wait, I'm the only. I'm the only checks and balances here that just got through. Right. That and was then, a joke And then appeal. there's the whole,
0: the whole Moody thing. Um, and then you have the fact Snape still has a job somehow. Yeah. Um, and not kidding, like, he kept the magical McGuffin. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like, there's just so
0: many things with Dumbledore that I'm like, you know what? No, you just, you'll get the LVP for the, for the first half of the series. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, so LVP for me. I don't, okay, so I, this is where, like, I, I kind of need to think about this. I'm gonna go with... I, I do. I think I'm gonna say Voldemort. Right, um, yeah, reasonable. Okay, because we we also already touched on this. This dude's like a however old wizard that's supposed to be like pretty, like pretty intimidating. He's supposed to be like the scourge of the magical universe he's been beaten by a, a literal infant an 11 year old a 12 year old a 14 year old like he is like he <laughs> he's taken loss after loss after loss he really earned the l of the LPP. Yeah, he really, he really <laughs> did like it's so it's super weird it's like if right. like it like this might be, need to get cut off but like it's like if hitler like <laughs> lost to like a literal child
0: if one was like, hey, get got
1: Hitler. Yeah. It's really, (laughs) really weird. This guy committed genocide, but then a guy goes, I'm not afraid of you. I'm a little boy. And he's like, (laughs) darn. That's it for the curtains, folks. (laughs) One of
0: my favorite... Had cannons. <laughs> I was like, why didn't Voldemort just
1: yeet Harry out the window? It's because it's his muscles are so atrophied. The only thing he can lift up is a wand. Like, he can't do anything.
0: Um, okay. And <laughs> my MVP for the first half of the series is going to be Hermione.
1: Oh, okay. I, I thought I, you were going to go Molly for sure. I no, know, I
0: know. Um. But no, I'm going to go Hermione because she... We see, of course, like a little bit of character development, but also we still see her um, her focus. She's so focused on her grades and making sure that her friends stay safe. She is the glue that holds together this friend group. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see it a lot in this book where she is just like trying to mend hurt feelings. Um, and even when they're all arguing, she just wants her friends to be okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Hermione. All
1: right. So, MVP... I feel like Hermione's a very solid pick. Right. I feel like there's only one, maybe two other solid picks. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta go with Hagrid.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: I gotta go with Hagrid. He is not only is Hermione a binding force for this group, Hagrid's a binding force. Mm-hmm. He's the he's like constantly supporting these friends. He's also he helped out uh Harry at the very least in the in the tournament. He's helped them out at like every turn. And not only that, but like when they are sad, he comforts them. When he is sad, he is comforted by the trio. And it's like, I feel like he is, he is like, a, he's basically a fourth member of that trio. Right. almost. Like there's, Harry Potter would not be the same without Hagrid. Okay. You ask somebody to name a Harry Potter character, Hagrid's usually off, off on there. Like if you like, oh, list five, he's on that list for right. sure.
0: right. I also feel like he's like the adult supervisor yeah. <laughs> he's,
1: he's like he's like your cool teacher the, like, cool,
0: the cool dad who's gonna drive you to and from the movie theater yeah. <laughs> I can agree with that yeah um yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> thank
1: you. We know this one was a little bit more uh, uh yeah off the cuff than normal but uh, right
0: and I think this is this is gonna kind of be how most of the, the next couple of episodes yeah. are gonna find so, uh, you get, used they to get it. big right yeah. get used to it or get out no <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, next week we will be reading and discussing Order of the Phoenix. Uh, that's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, thank you guys. We will catch you next Adios. <laughs> You've
1: been listening to The Classroom, a United 2 production. Feel free to tune into our parent station, 91.7 FM in Morgantown, West Virginia. There's going to be new episodes of The Classroom live on Unity 2 every Friday at 11 a.m. Uh, and if you're out of our terrestrial reach, if you sh- uh, feel free to stream at Unity 92 themoose.com. Easy enough. Uh, on our homepage, not only would you be able to stream new alternative music, but you'll also be able to quickly find our podcast and many other great ones produced by some of our friends here. Thank you guys so much for listening, and catch you soon.